and welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we are analyzing aliens in short, controlled bursts. I'm John Engel. And I'm George Hendricks, and today we are talking about Minute 26. It begins with Ripley really hoping Vasquez is right, and ends with a bunch of Marines whining about having chores to do. And yes, that is George Hendricks from the Mogwai Minute, who's my guest host this week. Thanks for joining me, George. Thanks for having me, John. That's great. And of course, it's Monday, and that means we have new guests as well. We have Katie Mello and Margaret Meyer returning from Alien Minute to talk to us about aliens. They are character fabricators from House Special out in Portland, Oregon. Thanks for coming back. Hi, thanks, thanks for having us. Yeah, so you want to just give any new listeners that haven't met you already in the last season uh, just a little rundown on what you do? So we work for an animation company called House Special. We do mostly TV commercials. And we make puppets for stop-motion animation. Awesome. It's really great. I'm, I don't know. I've talked about it already a little bit, and uh, we'll talk about it some more today or this week. Um, I love stop-motion animation, go-motion <laughs> animation, all that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. much. Uh, I guess it goes back to childhood. It was pretty prominent back in the 70s and early 80s when I was watching Sesame Street all the time. That's why I'm so, here. Yeah. <laughs> So it's going to be fun talking to you this week. Well, this, I don't want to, I don't know if I'm giving it all away, but there's no stop motion animation in this. Mm-hmm. What? No, no, no stop motion, right? It's there's... all puppets. And yeah, go motion is basically puppeteering. Yeah. That's yeah. Awesome. And it's so I think it's even better that it's all practical. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's so, I would, the more I was looking into it, I was like, oh, every, they made everything. Everything's mm-hmm. real. It's so cool. Yeah, it's definitely something we'll talk about here in a couple of days, what what they did in this particular block of minutes that we're going to talk about. It's pretty impressive stuff. But today we're still talking about Marines and Ripley, uh, somewhat admonishing them for interrupting her, I guess, and maybe not really understanding what she's trying to brief them about. But, you know, Ripley, she takes, she takes her, the upper hand for a moment here, maybe for the first time in the movie. After Vasquez interrupts her and the Marines have their strange little um, digression into uh, jokes. And, you know, she comes back and she tells Vasquez, well, I hope you're right. I hope we can just blow their heads off. Um, probably knowing full well that that's not going to be the case. But wh- what do you make of the Marines' reaction to Ripley here? Posturing. There's just so much cliched posturing. A lot of hubris, a lot of posturing, and a lot of that sort of like gallows humor that, you know, military and police forces are always known for because they see so much crazy stuff. They're, you know, they're sort of immuning themselves to it by talking in this like bravado, you know, macho way, no matter what's between their legs. Yeah, I was reading an interview with James Cameron and he studied specifically military, Vietnam era military speak and terminology. Because that was the, you know, conflict that was closest to his, you know, time frame. So, yeah, it's all very much based on that. And I can't say that I like it. (laughs) Well, the chicken shit operation, my husband was like, oh, you know that that's a thing, right? That's not just chicken, you know, and I said, I have no idea. Oh, yeah, he says chicken shit outfit. Yeah, it's like a thing from World War II, a military thing. Uh, My husband's father was uh, a submarine guy in the 80s. And in World War II, a chicken shit was behavior that makes military life worse than it needs to be. Small or petty, Hmm. unlike bullshit, which is big stuff. Chicken shit's little stuff. Interesting. And it can be recognized instantly because it never has anything to do with winning the war. Well, so Hudson's really dismissing the magnitude of what they're going into. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, but 
God, could he be sense. any more of a jerk? <laughs> so we, we talked about this a little bit last week about this term, the uh, bug hunt, which is also uh, the etymology of that is from Vietnam as well. And it, and it related to, as I was told by our guest, Susan, uh, she, she was talking about how a bug hunt in Vietnam meant an operation or job or task of some kind that didn't really have any ramification on anything. So this is something that uh, Hudson brought up in the last minute, calling the asking if this was just a bug hunt. And in this minute, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves in the minute, but referring to it as a chicken shit outfit is the same thing, right? He's basically saying the same thing again. So he, um, while I think a couple of the Marines, I think Hicks takes her seri- Ripley seriously. I think Vasquez might a little bit. I see a little bit of sobering, of a sobering effect in her face when she comes back, when Ripley comes back at Vasquez for her remarks. Yeah. But Hudson definitely thinks this is just a bug hunt, just a sh- chicken shit outfit, just a, an inconsequential operation and is willing to, you know, of course, verbalize that loudly and insubordinately as he uh, finally gets called out for insubordination in this. So wait, I have to, I have to put on, I have to put on my nerd glasses here real quick for a second and tell you my interpretation of Bugman. <laughs> I know it's coming. <laughs> Excuse me. So my interpretation of Bug Hunt was that that's from Robert Heinlein's Starship Troopers. Right. That's we what to, I thought while I was listening. Which watching he wrote this in 1958. Mm-hmm. And I always thought it was really confusing that they supposedly didn't know about aliens, which maybe your Vietnam comparison is correct, but I always was like, well, if they don't know about aliens, then why is he comparing it to Heinlein's alien? You're probably right. I mean, it's probably the etymology of it probably isn't in Vietnam. It's probably Heinlein. Heinlein and um, I think that he probably got it. It probably goes back further. It's just that that's where, as you said earlier, that's where Cameron got most of his lingo was from Vietnam era. Well, talk. that makes so much more sense because I was always like, well, why are they calling it a bug hunt? Because my just nerd sci-fi is not military. And I was like, I always thought it was weird if there wasn't aliens in their universe. Why was he saying that? So that is really well, explains it. Well, well there's are, clearly aliens in their universe. Yeah, there is a though. conversation I mean, they, that they have. Frost has had sex with aliens. Like, we know <laughs> oh, that they're aliens. Yeah. All right, yeah. So <laughs> it's it's not that they're not. That's what's interesting about all this conversation is that in Alien, you know, uh, this is probably a subject that I'm going to beat to death, but in Alien, when you're watching Alien for the first time and you don't know anything about the rest of the universe, you might think that that's the first alien, right? And the, yeah. And the space jockey is the first time they've ever run into anything like that. But um, now we get the idea that it's more like Star Trek, where it's everywhere. You know, there's different species, yeah. different cultures everywhere that they're running into and having sexual relationships with, and uh, and uh, you know, having apparently war with. Because uh, get the idea too that Hudson might be talking about the fact that when Gorman refers to the alien as a xenomorph, and Hudson asks, that's when Hicks comes in and says, "Yeah, I see, it's a bug hunt." Makes you think that in their world, bug hunt is more of the Heinlein. Yeah. Uh, uh, definition, which Cameron did study Heinlein to while he was writing this script as well. So it's a big mishmash gumbo of all these lingo and sci-fi and then real-world military lingo. I always took a bug hunt to mean something that was almost like beneath you, like something like right. like so like they're like oh squash bugs, like like even in Vietnam, they always had a very. Um, derisive view of the Viet Cong and their opponents so they're like we're going on a bug hunt we're just going to go out in the field we're going to blow some people up kill some people and then we'll be back before dinner type thing and it feels like they think that's what this is just a busy oh, absolutely. mission yeah. well that's, that's what it out, do some stuff and then they'll come back there's not a real big deal can I just point out here that Bill Paxton is just playing Chet from Weird Science through this whole thing 
Bill Patterson always just plays Chet for my son. <laughs> he is Chet. I mean, that was why. That I kept waiting for him to say, I want to butter your muffin. <laughs> you just wait for everybody to say that. You know what? I bet he did say that. They just got cut. <laughs> Probably. I would love to have a, a reel of lost, you know, Paxton um, improvisations from this movie. That's I bet true. there's a yeah, bunch of them, great. and I bet a few of them are directly from weird, from weird science. <laughs> I actually was reading somewhere. I don't, you know, who knows how true all this stuff is, but that he his character cusses so much that he was apologizing between takes to, <laughs> to the girl, <laughs> to the girl, yeah, to the little yeah. To, uh, yeah, I read that too. <laughs> they, they said fuck 25 times. Oh, you guys think, should do like a little counter. Oh. <laughs> See, he's just, he was just a Texas, he was a Texas gentleman, right? Yeah. yeah. Bill Paxton. <laughs> oh. There's no word like the F word to Texans. Right. So he, when he says, so when Hudson gives this chicken shit outfit line, why do you guys think it, that this is finally the straw that broke the camel's back with Apone? Because he's been mouthing off at Apone pretty insubordinately this whole time. I think and well, finally, this is what gets him yelled at. Being the mother of small kids, you they push you and push you and push you. And that was one of my comments for the next minute is when he's like, well, you. Like, I was like, oh, that's me. Like, he just pushed him too far. <laughs> well, do you think it's because it's directly related to the to their little company that they have here, their little platoon that Apone finally took offense that he was insulting. Like you could say what you want to me, but as soon as you insult my, my beloved core, my little platoon, my little group here, that's when I've had enough. I don't know. He's he talks like, so much about how he loves the core earlier on. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah. But I think it has to do with morale as well. Cause everyone's already kind of on edge and he pulls this in here and all of a sudden it's belittling everybody. Not just, because before he's like, oh, this guy, I'll talk smack about this guy, this guy, or I'll take shots at these people. But when it's, the, like you said, at the whole, at the whole then it's like, yeah. nope, that's too much. You're over the line. Well, and also it's in front of Ripley, who's a new person. And, uh, yeah. Burke's. And is Burke there? So, yeah, Burke's kind of a boss, so he probably has to pretend he's in charge more. I think it was like when Scotty gets in the fight and with trouble, trouble with Tribbles. And he mm-hmm. asked him why, and it's because they insulted Captain Kirk, and they insulted something else, and then he still didn't get in a fight. But then they insulted the Enterprise. And he had to kick some butt. <laughs> that's that's a good. That's Makes a good perfect one. sense. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> well, I do think that Apone kind of has to somewhat get Gorman's back too, and you know that last question directed at Gorman. You know this idea of how how do I get out of this chicken shit out? That's pretty. That's kind of harsh insubordination towards your commanding officer. Oh yeah, Apone. I doubt if Apone likes Gorman, but they do. Is you see how the how a lot of the shots are blocked uh, coming up, and how when they're doing the drop and so on, and about to get to the planet, you'll see that Apone and him kind of work together. So. Apone's got to be, look, i got to work with this guy. Don't make yeah. me look like an asshole. Yeah, at some like, point he has to say something. You can't just let him keep yeah. being a jerk. There's also that classic, like, divine, dividing line between, like, NCOs, like, like enlisted men and then officers, and he doesn't like, he doesn't have to like the guy, but he doesn't have to work with him, so he's like, all right, you're making my life hard enough as it is. Stop it. Yeah. I don't like this guy any better than you do, but you can't talk to him like that. Yeah. Yeah. Not to change the subject, but I just before we leave this part, I wanted to talk about how heavy-handed the costuming is in this. Like, really, in your face, what a bunch of badass. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is the thing, yes. Okay, so first of all, Bill Paxton, he's got a soul patch. His hat is on backwards. It just screams douche. There's no yeah. subtlety to the costumes in this. 
And then, yeah, what is on Drake's what hat? It's like chicken that? bones and beads, and it hangs down in front of his face. Yeah, we we talked a little bit about Drake earlier too, and yeah. all that stuff. It's crazy. Well, I think he's got a little. Ta- he's got the scars, and he's got the little tattoo. Does he have a little tattoo on his face? I can't remember, but maybe. Did, wasn't there like some sort of backstory with both him and um, uh, Vasquez are like uh, orphans who were brought up in the system, and they got stuck into the military because they didn't have any other options? So it makes sense that he would have like prison tattoos, and and like or not prison, but like. Street type thing. Um, yeah, they, you know, I think that it's good, though. The costume, the thing about these Marines is they need to be too big. I think they need to be too self-assured, too big. And the hubris, we, we've used that word already in this minute. The hubris is what they're there to provide. That's the thematic element of the movie that they provide is this idea that big military thinks that they have everything under control and finds out they're in over their head. So they do need to be kind of cartoon characters over the top thinking they're badass. I mean, what else are they? It also raises the stakes because if these guys are so confident in what they do, then they walk in there and it's not how they turned out. Then that's just an enhancing Absolutely. the level of detriment yeah. that they are in because like, oh, we thought we had this and we really, and it's not so much that they don't, it's how badly they don't. Well, I think right. as a viewer, you're willing to go in with these guys. You're like, well, okay, these guys are going to do it. Well, and did you guys talk about that again, that kind of, is a parallel to the Vietnam War because we went in thinking we were, it was going to be a cake, a piece of cake. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, wasn't well, you, exactly yep. how it turned out. You get on, you get on the turf, your enemy's turf, and it's always a lot harder than you think it's going to be. Even if you think you have the superior fire, firepower and technology. Yeah. We talked a little bit about that. Not as a direct, um, allegory about Vietnam, but yeah, um, that's good. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. So, so Gorman then decides to, you know, reassert his authority, right? We're kind of going back again for a second and starts assigning uh, chores to the Marines here. And I, you put it that way because it is really like a, a parent giving a bunch of kids some chores to do in that they react exactly the way children do when you give them chores. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's not a it's not a business as usual. It's not a like, okay, these are what we have to do. It's like almost like he's giving them busy work. They're like, wait, we have to do what by what? Oh, man, you know, that sort of thing. It's definitely stuff that they need to do. You know, if you listen closely to where it is, it's like, okay, they got to get the dropship prepped and all the weapons and everything. And but how, how do they act like they're acting like the teacher just gave them a, a pop quiz? You know, they're doing that cliche, like, uh, classroom scene from a TV show from Head of the Class or something, where they're like, oh, man, really? I, it's unbelievable. That's yeah, the one part that really bothers me, that these Marines would ever behave this way. Even they're not the, really professionals. You know, not. I don't know if it's necessarily the tasks he's given them, but it's the time frame. So he's given it, it with, like, 0800, which means by 8 in the morning, which probably means they have to stay up all night long doing this. And that's what they're really upset about. Well, and what is DCS and tactical database assimilations? I mean, they have to memorize, oh, assimilate I, all I the heard information. Blah, 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 tech, tech, tech. Well, I was trying to find out DCS. I couldn't really come up with anything except for a drop combat scenario. Like, it's all about, I don't know. It all just sounds like busy book work, and these guys obviously don't like to do homework. Right, but you still, if you're a Marine, you, you still say yes sir right yeah, i mean yeah. that's the problem here but it doesn't matter space marines far into the future so there might be well, a totally the, yeah. and a lot of them are like conscripted from prison so there's going to be a bound to be a much lower threshold for um morale and, and and acceptable behavior levels they're colonial marines so is there a different 
are there different branches of Marines in the future? And colonial means unprofessional. <laughs> well, I, I always take it, and this is without research. You know, I'm, I'm trying not to overdo the research and just be a trivia machine on the show. Because I feel like this particular movie could, we could just become a Wikipedia page a little too easily. Yeah, there's really I'd rather a tendency. I'd rather have the conversation and kind of speculate instead of look it up. But to me, the colonial Marines, when I'm watching the movie, not knowing exactly what that means, to me, that indicates because the colonies, as far as we know, belong to Wayland yutani The Marines, apparently, by the fact that Apone has a flag on his on his uh, arm and, and they have the appearance somewhat of regular Marines, there's some sort of accommodation here of Marines and corporate military. So to me, there's a lot of cor- there's a corporatocracy going on oh, with Whale and Jutani, and I think that they're somewhere between. We don't know what the government structure is anymore, what the Earth government is at this point in time. To me, they're kind of tools of the corporation. So I think that's probably what it is. And you're right; that's probably what is creating this more insubordinate kind of attitude. It's not old-fashioned military anymore. So. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And, and, you know, as we all know, uh, as time goes on, everybody becomes a little bit more (laughs) insufferable and a little bit more immature, it seems. So uh, with each generation, the the proper etiquette and protocol doesn't seem to be uh, as important. I brought up this sort of thing and then the dress, too, that they kind of are able to kind of get away with different dress to my husband again. And he said that as you get to higher up Navy SEALs and that sort of thing. If you're so elite, then you get away with a lot more stuff that hmm. lower ranks don't get to get away with. Yeah, it's yeah. like in any profession where you reach a really high level, it's you do get a lot more leeway in your behavior. Like even even like in this case, acting in Hollywood, well, the higher up the ladder <laughs> you go, the weirder stuff you can get away with because well, yeah. you've kind of in some way you've earned that. But is that why they're really. smoking? Is that Probably. why everybody's smoking during this? So <laughs> There's much so much smoking. smoking. <laughs> Yeah, the, it sure is. It, it, it definitely does seem different than what we're used to seeing with military today. I'm sure they have their situations where they have dress uniforms and where they get in rows and march and, and so on. But, you know, I guess on this ship in the middle of space, everything's going to be a little bit looser. And you're right. They're probably more like closer to Navy SEALs, Green Berets, elite. Uh, they claim to be elite. That's for sure. So maybe they are and maybe they can get away with more. All right. Does anybody have any more notes for this minute? Oh, I wanted to. Yeah, I had a question. So the final shot is of the crew and behind them, you can see the walls of the cargo hangar and they are just pristinely clean, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which I thought was a little weird. And I know you said you don't want to look up stuff, but I just did a little research into the Sulaco just to try and understand why it's so clean in there. And According to the canon, that it was damaged in a previous battle, and specifically the cargo hangar was damaged. So I was wondering if maybe they replaced everything. Is the backstory? Yeah, that makes sense. Because I yeah, dirt, they, dirt, and patina are really important to me. And when they do a good job of that in this, but yeah, yeah, but like the equipment, like the some certain equipment we'll see in the maybe future it's minutes. All to, to, um, because then later everything's so messy. Maybe, maybe. maybe. You know, I'm. I'm noticing too because I have this, I have this shot frozen on my computer, so I see what you're talking about. And you know, if maybe if it wasn't for the fact that these were such a bunch of whiny kids 
<laughs> here we, we could just say, oh, well, they keep the place spick and span, right? But I'm also noticing that everyone's got, you know, everyone except Hicks has this look of consternation on their face. But Hicks is just coolly blowing out a puff of smoke and looking at his watch, trying to figure out how long it's going to take to get all this stuff done. I think that's really yet another. Michael Bean is so perfect in this role. He's able to play that guy. The one guy who's got it together that keeps it pretty cool seems to be the most competent of all the Marines. And and this shot actually perfectly illustrates that. Given the assorted backstories, I feel like that could be almost indicative of his, the fact that everyone else or the the ones who are kind of like eye rolly and this and that are almost like conscripts or people who have been pressed into service because they don't have a choice. Whereas he's probably, he probably enlisted. He probably signed up. He probably grew up in the military tradition. He's like, I'm here because I want to be here. And so all this other stuff is just background noise to him. He doesn't care. The only little hole in that theory I could think of is that Pharaoh, who's the center frame here, is the most kind of the most whiny. Usually she's the cool. She's a really cool character. I like her a lot. But she's she's the one that puts on the, the most like uh, the face of like, oh, come on. And she's she can't be just a conscript. She's the pilot. You know, she must be somebody who came up in the military too oh, but, no, but uh, i mean my, i imagine was in the air force and and he would he worked he wouldn't he didn't fly but he knew a lot of pilots and mm-hmm. from his stories a lot of them are like that <laughs> they're kind of yeah. like oh i fly yeah, like the I'm a pilots sort of, are the superstars really right. the rock star yeah i mean yeah. That, that could be some of that where she's just thinking that she's top of the heap in this little chicken shit outfit and so she's kind of like, you know, maybe she's trying to get away with stuff other than that. Whereas Hicks is just a working man. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. She might have a different reason. You're right. She might think that she's above this while everyone else is just, yeah, I get what you mean. I just want to say or, one thing about Hudson and his gum chewing, which he's not smoking, but gum chewing, and it reminded me of, and I forget his character name, Yafet Koto in Alien and his gum chewing habit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> He, they both have gun chewing. I, I'm going to say that Parker definitely chewed more gum. I've never seen. No one could <laughs> chew more gum than that. No, he's the. Yeah, so the, nobody's ever going to catch up with that level of gum chewing. That's for he sure. He developed pouches in his cheeks, I think, just for holding gum. And so everyone just, buys stocks and gum. Yeah. In the future, everyone's going to smoke or chew a lot of gum. Yeah, what happens in the future that it's okay to smoke in public places again or in. I don't understand. Maybe they cared. Well, I mentioned so it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> I mentioned that earlier in the in the novelization, the cigarettes are described as being nicotineless, uh, nicotine free oh, cigarettes. Oh, so just really? exactly. Gross. See, I don't like to believe that. I, I think that's a novelization, non-canon thing. <laughs> Although I do, I don't know if this is in the novel, but I'm pretty sure that Drake's little um, adornment on his hat is from the Culture Club collection. It, could, it very well could be. <laughs> That's a good one, George. <laughs> well, if that's all we got, then let's move on to Minute 27 tomorrow. Uh, Katie and Margaret, do you have anywhere online that you want to tell people they can find you? Totally lame. I do not. Uh, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> all right. At, at? Oh, it's just my you name, Mar- Margaret Meyer. Okay. You'll find me. You can find me. And George, where can the people find you on the internet? Um, if you want to have like a, a nice little conversation with me and my co-host, pop over to our Facebook group, The Mogwai Minute, or just find us on iTunes if you just want to listen to the podcast and skip The Middleman. But both are fun. 
All right. Well, you can find us at AlienMinute.com, on Instagram at AlienMinutePodcast, on Twitter at AlienMinutePod, or over at Facebook. You can join our Facebook listeners group and join the conversation as well. Uh, every Monday, we like to send a shout out to Pete, the retailer, and Alex Robinson over at the Star Wars Minute. They were the Yay, ones that Star came Wars up with Minute! this. Star Wars Minute. And if you've uh, never listened to that show somehow, go over to StarWarsMinute.com and check them out. All right. Well, that's going to do it for Minute 26. We'll see you tomorrow for Minute number 27.